Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Above the Bar podcast, where each week we belly up to the bar with a new guest, find out what they do, who they are, and what makes them great. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Alrighty, folks, welcome back to the Above the Bar podcast. I was all looking looking down there for a moment, getting ready to share this around. This is a topic today We that those of you that know me know that this is very near and dear to my heart. Uh, I have a passion for this topic. We have brought back a, a long-standing friend of the show, uh, a ruggedly handsome gentleman that just exudes confidence. Uh he has introduced me to two more gentlemen, one that uh, after reading his story, if he was here, I give him the biggest man hug I could if he would allow me to. Uh, and then another one who has ha- got the same passion a- as our, our esteemed guest and a longstanding friend. If I can get my all my technology to work for me today, we've brought with us today and and oscar if i butcher your last name i normally ask but we're gonna see how well i do with it michelin perfect look at that we have oscar michelin jeff i've butchered his last name so many times he just accepts the fact that i used to call him one thing and now i know it's deskovic and i used to call him discovic and all kinds of other shit and i just butcher it <laughs> all up and then we have with us you know a, a man who if you could just see it if you're not watching the live Come watch this live so you can see Andre smile. It is lighting up. He don't even need lights in the room. My <laughs> man's making it happen. We brought with us Mr. Andre Brown. Thank yeah, no, you, you so much, know. guys. You didn't know it all that was happening. So, <laughs> so gents, thank you. Uh, for those of you that did not see the, the header beforehand, we are talking about exoneration, what that means, what it takes and also we're going to get into uh, some of the, the mindset that, that that has to be there. We've talked to Jeff in the past about this. If you don't know Jeff's story, go on to Amazon Prime and go look up uh, Convicted. And you'll see a black and white picture with a ruggedly handsome young man holding up his numbers. And you will learn many, many, many things. Nate's already joined us. Nate, look, get ready for Nate's questions, gents. He's always got good food questions. He might be prepping them all right. Or conviction. I'm sorry, not convicted. Conviction. Jeff's fix. See, I told you, Jeff knows he's going to have to fix me. I don't remember shit. He's he's on it. He He's always on it, and he knows that I have the brain of a squirrel. Uh, I, re- I remember a lot of things, and I'm good at what I do, but I forget shit so often. But uh, so go watch Conviction. I I recommend it to people all the time, and they probably haven't watched it because I because I say convicted and not conviction. So <laughs> jack that shit all the way up. Uh, but let's get started here. Before we get into everything, as always, folks, over my right shoulder. Oh, if my wife's listening, I need her to bring me down my sticker. I left my sticker upstairs. Um, we have over the big board over my right shoulder for sticker and a cause. If you've got something you're supporting, I don't care if it's a, from a Girl Scout troop or maybe you're trying to help somebody who, who needs to be exonerated for a situation. Whatever it is, if you reach out to us on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, TikTok, Instagram, even our email is at Gmail. But if they're all the Above the Bar podcast, everything. We keep it all very simple. So you can always find us at the Above the Bar podcast. And make sure you reach out to us. You let me know what you've got going on. I'll give you the address where to send it. 
you send me a sticker. I'll read about you there. I left it sitting upstairs. Uh, April 1st was my wife and I's anniversary. And we went axe throwing at this place uh, here in Albany. And it was so cool. And I learned how to throw an axe and nobody yelled at me for it. Cause I wasn't in the backyard with like, <laughs> it was pretty cool. Like, and it was actually wasn't, yeah. it wasn't as difficult as I thought it was going to be. Like it, it was pretty fun. And then I watched people playing in a version of like beer pong with axes, which was pretty neat. So they like <laughs> pinned them on the board and then they were throwing axes at the cups. It was pretty fun. So ax throwing and drinking, what could go wrong? Like right. Sharp <laughs> objects with blunt ends. I mean, you know, alcohol. This seemed like a perfect combination. <laughs> it's funny you said, Oscar, I've been shooting my entire, like, since I was 17 years old when I joined the Marine Corps. I've been shooting guns. And I can't tell you many times they're like, guns and alcohol don't mix. But guns and axes, fuck it. We're getting that. <laughs> <laughs> like, how does this not go bad? But uh, we went and did that. So make sure, you know, I'll, I'll remember it for next week. I left it upstairs. The other side to this, though, is, maybe your media looks like it's been in solitaire for a long time and it needs to be exonerated. So make sure you're reaching out to media by dibs. That's D I B S media by dibs. He'll go ahead and he'll take care of you. And you mentioned that you're there to belly up to the bar. He's going to give you a uh, free consultation and 10% off your first order. That's media by dibs. Uh, before I get into this, where we get ready, we're going to normally open the bar right now. I got to say to the pod father, Herb, he made the announcement today. Uh, we've been on his network. He was podcasting for 12 years. Uh, he did this about a year ago. He had to stop because of some medical issues. And uh, he made the announcement today that the earplug network, which we've been on since episode 30. And he's the reason that I started podcast and he really pushed me towards it. He is shutting down his network. We're not going anywhere. We're still going to be out here in, um, uh, we're looking at actually starting our own network very soon, and uh, it's going to be very military-focused. Who, who would have known with me? Um, but we're going to be starting that. So, uh, But I got to say to the pod father, I love you, brother. Thank you for setting me on this path, for helping me to get these stories out there for the world to see. And uh, I can't say enough for you. So this is for you, brother. All right, you're done, Herb. So – I don't, I got you in the round Robin. We're going to go around the horn. Uh, Andre, I want you to be last because you've got the important story. I'll let everybody kind of announce themselves, say what their part to this was. Oscar, you kick it off, brother. Sure. Well, thanks for having us on. And the more times we get to tell this story and Jeff's story, the better so that the world kind of knows what's going on out there. Uh, I'm an attorney. Uh, we're in Manhattan. We're on Long Island. I'm a litigator. And over the last, I don't know, about 18 to 20 years now, I've been working in wrongful conviction cases, trying to undo some wrongs, mostly from the 90s, the late 90s to the early 2000s, when things were crazy in the five boroughs and the surrounding metropolitan area, people getting locked up just for a wrong, place, wrong time. It was just ugly. And so one of the cases that I became involved in was Andre's uh, case. Andre and I went to the same high school, different years in the Bronx. So when I got his letter and learned about his case, that certainly hit home for me because I, I knew the neighborhood. I, I knew what was going on at the particular time when Andre got arrested and recognized that 
frankly, it could happen to anybody, particularly back in the day there. And so that that kind of moved his story up the pile. We get a lot of letters for help, as you can imagine, Sean. People are saying, I'm innocent. I, you know, help me out. My husband's in jail. My brother's in jail. My son's in jail. But um, when I read that in Andre's narrative, I was like, well, this this moved up to the top of the food chain. And so we worked on it. Andre obviously been working on it for over 20 years. He could tell his story. But um, then we were able to be granted a hearing on some newly discovered evidence that we had. We'll talk about it more in detail. And I had worked with Jeff on um, a number of cases and asked Jeff to join me as my co-counsel at the hearing. And we were able to establish that um, Andre's conviction needed to be vacated. And the, the judge did that uh, back in uh, December of 2022. Andre, I, I'm going to throw I know Jeff, I'm going to let Jeff in here in a minute. I can, I can, I got Jeff shit because Jeff's been on here enough times and, uh, and we hang out sometimes. So Andre, I got to ask this brother. So this was 23 years ago. You were, you and I are the same age, bro. I was born in 76. Mm. We're the same age. Yes. Um, you look way younger than me. I don't understand that bullshit, but, <laughs> but uh, we're the same age, man. And I, and I, I, it hit home reading your story. Um, I want to kind of put it out there a little bit and you, you can, can correct me and I, on, on what I got. So 23 years ago, uh, you were wrongly convicted of a double attempted murder. Uh, one witness who uh, fingered you it I don't want to say it. the one one witness that uh, pointed you out in a lineup that there was two others that never got called your lawyer at the time has been disbarred and then uh, some yeah oh and then some I didn't I didn't read the the article <laughs> I had didn't have the end then some it just said disbarred uh, for being ineffective Um I feel like most of these that I've read and Jeff and I have talked about are always you, you could set them on top of each other and just swap the names out because the bullshit inside of them is always the same. But the only thing I, maybe I didn't get deep enough into the article that I was reading, the biggest piece of evidence for you was physically not capable of doing it. Yes. Am I getting anything wrong so far? Can you help us to understand what was meant by, and, and if you can't, I understand that because of different stuff, but can you tell us what was meant by physically not capable? Well, physically not capable meant unable to run at all. Um, I had a serious injury. I was shot in my leg. And because of that, I couldn't run. I had tibia nerve damage and a drop foot that, took a very long time for physical therapy and just the healing process to allow me to even walk properly. I walked with a limp for a very long time and it was improbable and impossible for me to run. So that's yeah, and the, shooter, the shooter in this case was accused of running after two really young guys. Um, and one of them, uh, he chased him down. The guy had a head start and the the shooter chased him down a full New York City block, a real long block. Yes, and was able to catch up 
to this guy and then and then shoot him around the corner. And so that's what the court found that it would be physically impossible for Andre, you know, to have done that with the uh, the nerve damage that he had received just about a year before this crime occurred. So it was still really, really fresh. And that's why his lawyer was ineffective because he never bothered to tell the, the jury that. Like you're so, walking, you're walking with a, with a strong limp game. Yes. Now, now Jeffrey. But remember, building on the point that Oscar and Andre made, but this is yes. two people that were shot. So the perpetrator right. only descended the subway and ran, caught up to one shot, then turned and over, you know, was able to get close enough with the next person to make make another shooting. So there would there have been no way that he would and get away and get away. And then run away. Yeah, that's right. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, let, let's not miss that part to it. No, it's a good point. Now, Jeffrey, yeah. what was I, – I, I know Oscar's, you know, mm. had an emotional connection being from that neighborhood. I know where I grew up in Baltimore, if, if I was involved in something like this, I would feel the same way. I, I understand that very clearly. What was your – I guess attraction seems like an odd word to use, but, but what was the intrigue for you to say, yeah, no, Oscar, I want to be part of this. I see something here. Because, as everyone knows, I was wrongfully incarcerated myself for 16 years before DNA exonerated me. And I started my nonprofit, the Jeffrey Deskovic Foundation for Justice, using some of the money I got. And, and you know, we've been able to free a lot of, a lot of people. But at some point, I became not satisfied with sitting in the front row of the courtroom. I wanted to sit at the defense table, represent some of the clients, make some of the arguments, hence going to law school. Oscar and I's relationship predated my law school career because we're both... You know, we're, we're, we're both in the innocence movement, and so we have a natural affinity and love for each other. And and uh, Oscar came to a bunch of advocacy events that I spoke at, and he actually became my mentor uh, and, and tutor of sorts while I was in law school. Because Oscar, amongst the other stuff he does, is an adjunct professor at a different law school, and he used to tutor me by remote control on the phone <laughs> while during my law school tenure. Okay. Not, during, and, not during exams, Sean, but yes, I would. Prepping for, not on or during, you know, anything. Just, just to be clear on that. So once shortly, yeah, and, on, and, and that continued on. Hold on, Jeff. Continued on. Hold on, I know you, Jeff. I know you, because you'll get going. I know you. I want to be say quick like, and No, like, hold on. Hold on. I need to verify now. Was he in your earpiece going, look, man, this says the party of the first part is not party to the second part, but we're having a party. What, is that what it was? Tell me. It now. would have been very funny if it was, but that would have ended up costing him his license and probably stopping him from getting No, he did not, in fact, do that. And we've got, Never and if you're listening line. to us, if you're listening to this, you can, for the first time, you're not watching the live. If you're interested in getting involved to help people like Andre, there is a Patreon that uh, Jeffrey has set up, and it's patreon.com backslash Deskovic, which is D-E-S-K-O-V-I-C. You can, you know, put funds towards this. It might, you might say, well, why would I do that? Who gives a crap? Uh, let me explain it real simple. It can happen to anyone, especially in today's world. Uh, Jeff and I have been involved together for about two years, maybe almost coming up on three. We've been doing the show for three years in June. And Jeff was one of my early guests and I've been to events. I promise you that this type of 
heinous government crime, call it what it is, it is a government crime, does not know color, does not know uh, status. Region. Region. It's not a New York thing. Jeff just happens to be in New York, and I've met him. But we've been to events together, and guess what? They look like everybody. They look like anyone. This is just poor legal. And I know here in New York, we hear all this bullshit about, oh, you need to change the, you know, this, that. and Listen to me. If you can't get it right, nobody should be going away. Right. And, you know, you said something really important, Sean, at the beginning, which was that you could pile these cases up on top of each other and you see the pattern. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's like it, there's so much similarity. Of course, all the facts are different. Andre was he was physically incapable of running. That's unique to his case. But his crappy lawyering was not unique to his well, case. That's never one of them is the DA not looking at other evidence is not unique. You know, uh, judge throwing away the book. You know, all of that stuff. You know. Uh, but no, just to what I was just when Oscar called me shortly after I got my law license, he calls me up all excited, and he knows I've got the license like two days ago, and he said, "Are you are you ready for your first case?" <laughs> and I'm like, "I'm like hell yeah!" <laughs> and Oscar, Oscar's you know Oscar's one of the best in the business. I mean, how many people is it? Is it eight? Is it nine? What's the number? It's that actually nine. Nine. So when I got the chance to walk, work alongside Oscar, you know, and by the way, Oscar's an advisory board member of my foundation too. So to get a chance to work next to him, uh, it was kind of a, a kind of a no brainer. So Oscar was on the case without me for about four years. And then when I entered, I entered work with him for about a year and a half. You got it. And you made it happen at that point. I mean, you came on and I mean, now it happened. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Stop it, man. You're I will say, I will say this, you know, it, it was for me, and I think even for the judge, it's an inspiration. Yeah. And, you know, Jeff, even though he didn't testify, his sitting there is testimony, like you said, Sean, that this happens to people. And, you know, from, as you said, you know, uh, all different, all across the spectrum, uh, women, um, you know, black, white, Latino, uh, poor mostly. Always. Uh, but. But, you know, that goes with the ability to pay for, you know, decent representation. But, you know, other than that common denominator, the other common denominator is you see a lot of the same problems in these cases. And Jeff sitting there every day is like, you just got to point, you know, this, this, we know this happens because look at the man sitting next to me right here. So, right. And what's so clear about Andre's case, I mean, look, there's the medical angle you know, uh, the alternative suspect who was a spitting image of Andre was located. We came up with a couple of witnesses who ID'd him and those people's names appeared in the record before. So it's okay. not like they came out of nowhere and that <laughs> was corroborated by uh, ballistics. There was actually three shootings. So this was like, this was a drug turf here. Uh, so all of that stuff was just so clear of Andre's innocence and Oscar being a lawyer was able to articulate all of that to me in like three and a half minutes. Wow. And yeah. again, that was that was, uh, you know, that was the clincher right there. And I know he's not going to waste his time on a case where where someone is, you know, you have to get up very, very early in the morning to fool the fool him on an innocence claim. Now, Andre, so I want to kind of hear. So so 23 years, brother. Um, I, and if I 
dig it, dig it, scabs, man. I apologize. That's not the goal here, but uh, what was so? Now you said it already. So you had been shot before. Yes. So let's be let's let's call call things how they are. You had been around a little bit of dirt, of course. So, of course. so that that kind of brings up, hey, this guy's got charges. He's been around some things, but this wasn't this wasn't yours. Um, when you walk, when you realize that you've got to go there, and this is where you're going to be. And from what I know of New York State, they like to move you around often. Um, that you you won't stay any any one place too long. Um, what was that like for you? You know, when you're when you're in that fight, I'm trying to think of the right way. To, I guess the best way to put it is is when you realize that, like, hey, this is going to happen. How did you prepare mentally for that? Uh, first of all, there is no preparation for that. Um, you and the audience at large have to be able to understand that there's no preparation for going to prison. There's no preparation for preparing for the dangerous realms of gang violence, you know, um, the turf um, continuously struggle of the fighting, the corrupt officers, the endangered species that I became in there. What do you mean? What I mean by that is individuals like myself, we usually become extinct because we become prey. And I refuse to join a gang. I refuse to join a sect. I refuse to do anything but fight as hard as I could for my freedom. So, for and I've known a few folks, you know, even my old man did a one year clip. He was guilty. He right. was guilty. My old man was. Right. But, um, so for, for yourself, how do you, how do you keep from doing this? Cause I mean, cause you just said it, you're an endangered species, you know, people, people want to go ahead and, and, and take your life from you or, you know, make an example out of you. How do you, you know, especially, you know, you're being convicted, which sounds like it was drug turf related. So they've got boys out there that are saying, oh, the court said that, that you, you don't want to did, uh, you're the trigger man. We need to go ahead and end this dude. How do you, how do you keep on alert? I mean, for something like that. Well, I attribute all of that first and foremost to God Himself. The same way I attribute Oscar coming in on the case, Jeff coming in on the case. These guys are emissaries, and I attribute it to His protection and cloak alone that got me through that unscathed. Because the reality is that I was potentially stabbed in my eye with a pen. You know, Oscar knows about that. Um, yeah, I was walking away for his case yeah, to be. Yeah. To be I, area, yeah. And, and, and that's all because someone wants you to get off the pay phone so that they could use right. it instead of you. They weren't willing to wait for five minutes for your slot time to finish. Right. You, you know, I've been jumped on the inside all to, to my detriment itself. So, you know, I had to be hands on physical when I needed to be. Yeah, I had to protect myself, of course. And, you know, I had to protect myself. I had to become street savvy on the inside as well, staying away from the danger such as gambling, staying away from the danger such as drugs, you know, owing any individual for commissary usages and things like that. You know, these are the detriments of prison itself. And if you can stay away from these pitfalls, you survive. Now, so I'm a big, as I said at the beginning, and I'm a big pusher of reform 
personally within the prison systems because I think it's the way we do it is I'll say it simple. It's fucking stupid. So have someone put away who never had an opportunity to do anything else and not saying what happened with you, but we do nothing to prepare you for what's on the outside. And when you're released, it's out from what I read, it sounds like you had a family system that was waiting for you that supported you. But I know for a fact that a lot of guys come out and the only option for a home is a homeless shelter. Yes. So for yourself, now you had that. What do you see that, you know, for that guy that doesn't have those things or wasn't as, and I know I'm using the term lucky and brother, stay with me, but what are some of the things that you saw that you were like, why is this happening? Why is this not different? Or that you would say this needs to be changed as somebody who was right, who's trying to go on the out, who was coming on the outside. Does that question make sense? Yes, of course. Well, you know, there's razor blades in prison. This is what I call it. There's razor blades of prison. And what I mean by that is it's so easy for a razor blade to slice you straight down your back, you know, and there's also stages. Your audience has to understand that there are stages of prison. Also, you have meaning you have central booking. When you're first arrested, you go through central booking, which is you're, you're, you're not fully, um, con you're not held as a prisoner because you haven't been formally charged. A complaint has been lodged against you and now you're held for arraignment before a court of law. And then after that stage, you go to a housing unit. And this is the early 90s. You have to understand this, Sean, that this is the early 90s I'm speaking of, where you had borough housing units, Bronx, Manhattan, Brooklyn, and Queens borough housing units. And then you had Rikers Island, another terror dome. These were all terror domes that you had to survive in. And then you went upstate after being fully and duly convicted of the crime. So if you survive all of that, as I did, you know, you're blessed. There's no luck involved. Wow. So and the other thing too is funny, Sean, is that like if you did the crime, uh, when, you, when you get out, you're on parole. So you've got someone who can kind of, here's how you get Medicaid. Here's how you get some public assistance. Here's the shelter you could yes. you could go to for a couple of days and then we're going to get you some you know single resident occupancy housing and if you're in trouble you got someone to call when your conviction is vacated you're exonerated they just you don't have any of that they just oh, pack, oh, your, pack your bags and send you yeah, out there you don't have wait, any of that wait, wait. so you're saying okay i got to roll this back here for a second so they so they did you dirty admitted to doing you dirty I know there's some some ramifications there for you, but they were basically like, my bad dog, high five, have a nice day, yes. doors that way. Yes. Hey, sorry about all that. My bad. My bad. And then not everybody gets, uh, not, not everybody is automatically, well, no one's automatically compensated. Not I everybody whose like conviction that. is vacated is compensated. For example, the DA is appealing the hearing that we won. So Andre, even if he wanted to file a civil lawsuit, has to wait for that appeal to be decided. That's at least, that's if everything goes perfectly, that's two years before he can even start a civil lawsuit 
So, so it's you not know, automatic like, hey, here's the years we've exonerated you. Because I know some states have like, they have like a formula. Yeah, X per year. Not a lot, but something to get you on your feet. Right. So that no. Uh, New York uh, has nothing like there's that. There's not a stone figure, but honestly, it's better that there's not because I mean, each case is going to be different, and you know, there's there's more money, frankly, if it's not set in stone as opposed to say sure. fifty million a year or seventy or seventy-five. But I think the point that Oscar's making, which I agree with, you know, is look, not only is it not automatic, but there also is a definite time period between point of release and compensation. But that's not even really the place where Andre is because his criminal case isn't finished. We, Still we wanting the convictions overturned. He's out, but the criminal case isn't finished because they're appealing. So should he lose that appeal, should that appeal be lost, he will be returned back to the inside. How do? F- All right, folks, look. Jeff's thing's yeah. at the bottom. It says it very clear. It's patreon.com backslash Deskovic. That you all can sit here in the state of New York with the Joker in office after the Lord Commander left, and you know, whack job Giuliani that was down in the city who you know, with the rest of them, and listen to me, they're all out of their mind. I watched the case out of Baltimore with uh, what's his name, uh, Syed Saeed Adnan Syed, yeah, that was insane. Which yeah, is, that's crazy what's happened there. Which is just out of control. And if you know Baltimore, hey, hey here's one for you, Andre. You probably didn't know about this one because you and I are about the same age. Did you know at one point in time the, uh, the BG, BGF was so running Baltimore City Prison that the head of it was locked up and got two female guards pregnant and mm. was running the show in the whole lockup <laughs> in Baltimore City? There's one for you. You want to talk about Baltimore's no Baltimore's no joke. It was no joke in the '90s either. Oh, like it's where I grew up at. It's like, very similar to New York, just less numbers. But now, but same type of situation. Did they at least? Because because I can't imagine what what the psychological and emotional parts to this have been for you. Was there? You know, you're telling people from the inside, "Hey, I'm innocent. I didn't do this," and everyone's like, "Yeah, that's what everybody says." You know, you're hearing that. How did you cope with that? And then how have you been able to, on this side, continue to cope with that? Well, on the inside, relatively, you're keeping your mouth quiet that you're innocent. Oh, really? Yes. In the beginning of my case, I didn't tell anybody as I came through prison that I was innocent. I moved forward in understanding the culture of prison, um, seeing the movement understanding my place, how to keep my mouth quiet, how to utilize the phones, how to go to the chow hall, how to observe and seeing what I was seeing, whether it was on the visit floor, whether it was behind the bars or the officers themselves and their conduct. And then, you know, as I learned, because it took some time to learn about the law library, I started to adapt and, um, become part of the prison culture at first. And what I mean by that is this, you know, I've always been a street guy. So um, the story goes as on Rikers Island, they used to have dice, real dice, Sean. And we used to play CeeLo. Yeah, we used to play CeeLo. And 
we used to play CeeLo in the back of HDM in four in five building. And um, you know, we used to gamble cigarettes, gamble well breads, cookies, whatever you had, you brought it back there and we were playing dice for it. So one day I was coming out of my cell and a guy came to me. I, I remember this guy's face like it was yesterday. His name, I don't know, but he said, where are you going? So I said, what do you mean? I don't even know you. Who are you talking to? He said, I'm talking to you. What, why do you think them guys like you? Or where are you going with those guys? Or what can they help you with? I said, listen, old timer, why are you talking to me? I don't even know you. Why all these people around you, you talking to me? He said, because I see something in you that they see, but they want something different from you. He said, tomorrow I'm coming to take you somewhere. And when he said that to me, I looked at him. I didn't fight him anymore. But before I could even say, where are you taking me? He said, I'm taking you to the law library. And when he said that to me, it was the first time I ever heard of a law library, a library of law. And I went to the back, gambled, came back to the cell on lock-in. And I stood there and I thought to myself, what is this law library? So the next four o'clock session when we're locked out in our intervals, when the guys was coming to me, they said, listen, Andre, what's up? We going back there to gamble. What's up? You coming? I said, I'm not going with you. They said, what you mean you're not going with us? I said, listen, I'm going to the law library because I've never, I never heard this from them. These guys that were gambling and doing all these things. They never told me anything about a law library. And this man took me to a hole in the wall. And if you didn't know where this place was, you didn't belong there because it was down a long hallway and it was a small crack in the side of a building with a room that could only fit about 15 men in there. And when he took me inside of that room, I stopped and I saw men hustling and bustling fast, but I didn't understand why until later on, because you're only given a limited amount of time in the law library, one hour. So you had to complete everything you could at that time and then prepare to come back the next day after putting in a call out. So these men were running back and forth, grabbing their books and I'm watching. And he said, listen, do you see what's going on in here? And I was absolutely quiet. And he took me to the desk. And when he took me to the desk, he told the clerk, give me that book right there. And at that time, Sean, we didn't have the Lexus Nexus computer system. All we had was a bunch of books. <laughs> and he gave me one of the books and he said, look at the spine of this book. Do you see what that is? And as I looked, he said, you see that key? If you find that key in your case, you'll be out of prison. And that was my the start of my fight. And you don't know who this man was? Nothing. No. Like you know his face. No. Up until that point, I actually had been trusting in lawyers. Andre, you had an that's an angel, brother. It was an angel. The same way Oscar's an angel today, the same way Jeff is an angel. It was an angel. Absolutely. What well, I can tell you, by the way, Sean, like you said about a pattern, that's another pattern when you say that like everyone in prison says they're innocent the fact is that you know most people cop to what they did and right. they want the street cred for what they did of course and and the guys who are in the law library can tell a bullshitter better than 
anybody else. <laughs> yes. And so you get a reputation as like, you know what, this guy, he's putting in the time. He's being, you know, serious about it. And he could be playing dice. He could be playing hoops. He could be doing all this fun stuff. Right. But he's in here spending his one hour out of his cell looking at a at a book, you know, and, and it's it they got you get to know each other. And and of all the exonerations that I've done, not one of them did not find their their peace, if you will, uh P E A C E in in the law library. They all Jeff too. They all gravitated towards the law library and they all found it like on their own one way or another. And um, that that's another thing that just connects people because if you're not really innocent, you're not going to sit in, in this musty room with, with right. 10 other guys and, and waste that hour where you could be having some fun, playing some cards, you know, talking up a guard to try to get something better, a better job. Go working out, going into the yard, you know. So, oh. and that's another pattern that you see is the importance of the law library um, in in prisons to give people a chance to work on their own cases. Yes, that's something I was going to say, Andre. Was uh, I was going to ask you? So, not telling people that you were innocent that probably also helped protect you in the sense of. You know, here's this dude, he's a punk, he's over here crying about, I didn't do it, I didn't do it, whereas you're sitting there going, I ain't saying a word, I know me. You know, so that was probably help, help to, to keep you a little safer also, would you say? Definitely. A prison is not a place that where you could trust people. You know, trust comes in increments, and as you grow trust, then you understand character, you understand integrity, you grow loyalties, and you also grow individuals in understanding their honor. And even though he was a street, he, even though he was a, a, a street guy, he'd never done state prison. Never. So this was not, you know, this was new. drug. It was drug, you know, minor drug sales. It's not like he was, yeah. you know, robbing banks and and <laughs> shit like that. So you know, state prison is New York State prison. People think it's a liberal state. No. Our prisons are horrible, man. I couldn't do. I don't know how Jeff or Andre did this because. I, I couldn't do 19 days for a crime I actually committed in New York State prison. Okay, never mind 19 years for something you didn't do. This is no club fed. You know what I'm, you know what I'm talking about? Every day is a challenge. Every day is New York State prison. Every, these are max prisons, by the way. Both of them, Jeff. You were always in maxes, right? I was always in a max prison. And and look, anytime you leave your cell, you don't know if you're going to make it back. Look how dangerous Jeff looks. He looks like a dangerous man. <laughs> One of the nicest guys I know. Look, if you've never met Jeff, look up, look Jeff up and watch, watch Conviction. I mean, Jeff's one of the nicest guys I've ever met in my life. Um, and one of the, you know, him and I, we've had dinner together. We've done stuff together. I mean, just one of the friendliest, nicest people you're, you'll ever meet. And hopefully, Andre, we, we get him to uh, get you up here to the to Smalbany with us this <laughs> when we do the uh, wrestling hall of fame, because I know Jeff will be up here with me. But um, one of the things that I, one of the things that, and I'm going to kind of circle this around with Jeff a little bit, since we're, we're talking about Jeff, when I, when Jeff told me his story, he told me about how family had kind of abandoned him and had kind of walked away. Mom stuck by his side the entire time. She knew the truth. Um, 
for yourself, I'm always curious of the family members that had kind of fallen to the wayside and had kind of written you off and said, oh, well, he did it because he was a street kid growing up. This is definitely him. Once that they found out, no, he was telling the truth the whole time. What were those interactions like? I mean, um, Jeff always tells me now, Andre, be very careful. You know, I look to Jeff as a brother. You know, Oscar has been almost like a father in the law, a friend to me. These guys are more to me than just attorneys, you know. And for me, I'm still weary. I've met more family coming home than I've seen coming to visit me. You know, and I don't know whether it's their thought patterns of compensation. I don't know. I have to be very, very, you know, aware. But I embrace every individual because I want to build relationships, strong family. I have a very huge family. But the reality is I know it was a core set that continuously came. Continuously. And the rest of back always had my back, always believed me, always was there from day one and continuously said, Andre's coming home. That's amazing. You know, do you want to get, do you want to say, give anything to them, shout them out a little bit? I mean, it's of up to you. Of course, of course. I want to shout out my wife, Tamika Brown, of course. You know, she's the one who actually got Oscar for me. You know, um, I'm shouting out my cousin, Marcel. I'm shouting out my brother, Devon. My brother Jafari, Sean, you know, I'm shouting out my cousin Natifa, my auntie Sharon, my auntie Annie. I'm shouting out my both of my grandmothers, of course. One is 97, one is on the verge of being 90, Almira Williams and Linda McCoy, my sister Monique. I'm shouting them all out because they were all there from the beginning. You know, my son AJ and, and my stepdaughter Trinity. All of them fought like hell to get me out. They held you down. They held me down. I mean, and, yeah, and that's, that's, that, that's important, man. That's just, you know, and, and so, the that, yeah, the outside, outside support is a, is, is a key. I didn't, I didn't know that while I was incarcerated, Andre had that. So that's, you know, that's, that's amazing. I mean, and that's a big group, Andre. I mean, look, I mean, that's, that's huge. You know, like I said, you know, I, I nothing like that. My old man, like I said, did a one year piece, you know, in, in a detention center. Like nothing like you're talking about. Um, now, I got to ask it. Now, you, you get the news. Is there any way on God's green earth that you can explain? And I, I, I'm going to ask, like, this is like trying to explain some of the toughest stuff in the world here. But how do you explain to somebody that feeling that, hey, boss, tomorrow you go home? Because I read about the rain and wanting to dance in the rain and everything. <laughs> I, I read that, and I'm going to tell you right now, in my feelings, and I, I am a man that goes to church every Sunday. I do the best I can. To me, that was that was the skies crying for you, brother. Oh, uh, God, that was the – oh, yeah. How do you explain that feeling, though, to people? Listen, let's rewind a little bit, Sean, for you. The feeling I got when I first heard – that we were granted a hearing. This is where the joy is. Just a hearing. Just the hearing. I jumped so high, 
continuously pumping my fist in that cell quietly because I didn't want anybody to know what was going on. You know, that's where the joys began. And then COVID hit and fast forward, you know, because that was a mission in of itself. And, you know, Oscar will bring you up to speed on that. But the day that I was told, and it came through JPay, which is a system. I know Jay. Yes, that we were given um, a little tablet for the prisoners to communicate with their families. And even that little bit has helped people so much, yes. although it's very expensive, yes. but it's just provided people connection. And when I heard the news that, how I heard it was, call me. Call me. <laughs> it was not, you're coming home. Call me. And this is Tamika, my wife, saying, you have to call me. So I go to the prison phone. I'm thinking, of course, it's an emergency. I'm not thinking, you know, anything about a decision, anything like that. I'm thinking more so something is going on with family. Anytime she says, call me with such urgency, you know, I'm thinking family matters. So she's like, call me. You have to call me. So I call and she's crying. So immediately, you know, I'm concerned. Or you think something's jacked up around here. Yeah. So, you know, I'm questioning about the kids, family. She said, Andre, Andre they denied the motion. So I'm like, so now I'm like, oh my God. Now I'm like, my, and she's crying. She's like, they denied the, the actual innocence and the newly discovered. So now I'm like, oh my God, no, no. I'm thinking about the next 20 years because I had done 23 and I received a consecutive sentence. So I had just finished one sentence. And I had just started a new one, three years into my new 20-year sentence. So then she says, but they granted the ineffective assistance of counsel. And I felt so relieved. I started jumping on the phone. So the guys around me is looking at me like, what the hell is going on with this guy? <laughs> well, I'm jumping and I let the phone go and I'm jumping, jumping, jumping. And then I go back on the phone, but I'm not saying anything. So the guys are like, they're thinking because they know I've been going back and forth to court. So they're like, he must be going home. So they're like, what's going on? I said, oh, my son, he scored another. He's scoring. He, this guy is like, a, he's, he's going to the NBA. He just scored another 20 points, you know? And yeah. They're like, because I had been telling them continuously, as Oscar and Jeff knows, my son is a phenomenal basketball player at the age of 12. So they were like, oh, okay. And then I went back on the phone with Tamika. I said, listen, I'm going inside. I can't stay out here. I'm going. I wanted to get in that cell. <laughs> I wanted to get in that cell so fast in order to just get away from everything. Collect yourself. Well, no, not have any problems. People get jealous, Sean. Just oh, God, this, this is a max prison, right? Not yeah. everybody's nice and got a beautiful smile like Andre. Right, right. Okay, there's just some nasty lifers there who got nothing to lose. It's like you're getting out. Like it, the 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 exoneration that I did before uh, uh, Andre was a guy named Cal Buari, and because of a snafu, his the judge let him out on a Friday. He had to go back upstate. You can't be released from the court. You got to go back to state prison. They got to uh, cut you from state prison. 
They don't release you on a Saturday or Sunday. So he had, to, he had to spend the weekend. And he knew that there was going to be news about it. People were going to know that he was out. He was going to be out. He spent that weekend. He didn't even leave for meals. <laughs> oh, no he's shit. Like, he's like, I am staying. In the, I am 48 hours. I am not leaving this cell. Yes. I'm not going for a meal. I, he was like, I can't I didn't take leave. a chance. I didn't leave. But, no, yeah, I don't blame yeah. you guys. Like, like oh, I, 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 I get it. So, I, and I knew this was coming. I love my Nate. We're, you know, and as we always say, folks, we're we're gonna get ready to close the bar up. There's so much in here, Andre. Like, I feel like I could do like three shows with you because <laughs> I want to know how you met your wife. <laughs> I want to know, like, there's some. Like, I'm not trying to get like into your business, business, but I mean, you talking about you got a 12 year old son. <laughs> Figure it out, Sean. Look, look Figure it out. There's math in there that I'm like, yes. like, like, where did, okay, so there's something there. But, you know, my man, Nate, we love Nate. Nate and I have been partners for, for a minute. He's got an important question because this is a Nate question. What was the first food you wanted to eat when you got out? Oh, man. Jeff and uh, Jeff, Oscar, my wife, Tamika, Sabine, they took me to a great little eatery and I wanted to eat surf and turf. Really? Just yes. surfing turf? Surf turf. Yes, that's I like what it. I wanted. Did you, Jeff, unmute yourself, Jeffrey. Did you take him to good surf and turf? Y yes. The short answer is yes. I didn't okay. select the restaurant. That was Oscar. Is but Jeff a good I, I agreed to it. He ran the idea by me and I, I agreed with it. To Jeff, it. Jeff, it knows Jeff, Jeff knows yeah, good food. Jeff knows good Some great pictures. He had a, had a real meal. You know, Andre ordered uh, he, for, for a drink. He had a. Uh, he had a virgin margarita, I believe it was. Virgin, virgin pina colada. That's right. There we go. Yeah, virgin pina colada. Yeah, but it I'm was, oh, coconut. my God. I'm not a big coconut person, but yeah. I, I get it. I mean, as you say that as I'm sitting here drinking whistle pig piggyback 100% rye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds great. Yeah. You know, I had he didn't want his Oscar. senses. He didn't want his senses dulled. Yeah, and I had to ask Oscar, you know, Listen, how do I get my steak done? I had been so used to eating prison food. You know, the reality is prison food is something that you hate. It's putrid. I, I want to read, Sean. I want to take the liberty. It's your show. I want to yes, read a read comment that. that's made by Robert Majors. By the way, Robert is an exoneree from Queens who did 20 years, was exonerated, and uh, he's made the comment. It's great to see you out, Andre. Um, Jeffrey's a godsend to people like us. Want to want to shout Robert Majors out? Of you know, course. Twenty Definitely. years. Quick human interest item at that, at love, that celebration meal. At the celebration meal, I I called up somebody that that also was innocent, had been exonerated, that knew Andre while he was on the inside. Fernando Bermudez. Definitely. A man who was exonerated in a non-DNA case in Manhattan. Uh, after 18 years, who had been misidentified by five people, he was, you know, he, he was out of state. He and we, he were not able to, um, he couldn't join us. So I called him on WhatsApp video call, and I handed Andre the phone so that they they, they they could talk and have a. And Sean, think, think, think about that. When he went in, we had a landline in the kitchen. We had a beeper. Right, right. Like, like now he's in a restaurant, like him. Dick Tracy doing a video call. Well, look, Andre and I were talking. And I'm like, "Hey, man, do you have any social media I can tag in so people are able to able to find you on this and blah blah blah?" And he's like, "He's like Murph, 
I'm a I'm a I, I'm a Flintstone. You trying to bring me to be a Jetson? And, like, <laughs> and we old, so I know. I, look, we in that same wheelhouse, so I knew exactly what he meant. I'm like, yeah, nah, bro, I got you. I and mean, I just created that, and you know, I got 11 followers. I'm still asking people, how do I do this? How do I do that? How do I do this? I I don't know how to do Instagram. I don't know how to do all these. I'm gonna make you a deal. You know, you probably have never been up here to Smallbany yet. I, I'm gonna make you a deal. If if Jeffrey gets you up here, I got some things going uh, going on. But when we get up here, I'm gonna take you for tiny hot dogs. Have you had mm. Albany got these? Look, Oscar, you see you down there in the city too much. Oscar. You gotta come <laughs> come get cultured out at where, where there's some culture at up here in Albany. And Jeff knows what I'm talking about. Like that's the thing up here is like these hot dogs. Like they're about like three inches long, and they have a bun that they fit in. That's and they put meat sauce with onions. Mm. Right. Look, I'm in. Like that's an Albany thing. That and this like, is a know, great, great bar food, man. Oh, uh, like, and they're always at these little like diner places. And there's another spot that we go to, uh, that's in Watervliet, New York, that we love. And they do a Greek burger. It's a it's a sausage patty with peppers and onions. Listen, there's a fat kid that lives in my soul. <laughs> always trying to eat. <laughs> Andre and I was in the law library on a regular basis. He worked. Uh, he worked there, so we even so we seen each other very much. Robert, I would love to hear your story. Maybe maybe uh, we'll get you on. We'll we'll talk about that if you're comfortable with it, brother. I, I just look, folks. This is one of those things that we all jump to conclusions. We all think we fucking know. I'm sorry for my language, but I get very passionate about this. We think we know. You think you saw it. I I always go back to. Um, Neil deGrasse Tyson. If you don't know who Neil deGrasse Tyson is, go check him out. He's a physicist. He's an extremely intelligent man. Uh, if he tells you two plus two is green, go with it. Uh, I'm just going to explain it in that way. And I always think about something he said. He was called to be a juror. Look it up. He talks about it often. He was called to be a juror one time. And the judge said, you know, is there any reason that you shouldn't be a juror? He said, well, your honor, I understand the way the human eye and brain work and I'm not comfortable with witnesses because of how it works. And the judge turned around and said, Oh, so one person, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't trust one person's opinion. The other juror in front of him, and I'm probably getting the story a little screwed up. The person in front of him said, no, your honor, what the genius scientist just said, was the human eye is not trustworthy and people make mistakes on things they see. And they finally stopped it and was like, and they let him off of there and told him, you know, he had a, you know, they let him out. Mm -hmm. This is what Andre dealt with. This is exactly it. Somebody thought they saw something and it wasn't real. It wasn't yeah. there. It wasn't part of it. Yeah, well, someone planted, you know what, and, and and what happens is, you know, there was a rumor on the street because the eyewitness didn't come forward uh, until a day and a half, two days later. And so you, it starts to build in your mind, you know, and plus the weird thing, like Jeff had mentioned at the beginning, Sean, um, the actual perpetrator could have been Andre's double, same height, same weight, but also extremely similar face 
and yeah, so they even looked like each other. I've learned about aunts and uncles that I, I didn't know. My grandfather was was an old pimp. I'd say that story another time. They always, <laughs> said, they always said there was more women crying at my grandfather's funeral that they, than they knew. Well, speaking of pimping, I want to do a totally shameless plug right now. Oh my God. What a totally shameless plug. What a segue. I love Jeff. Yeah. So listen, on April 22nd, uh, uh, on, in Hudson, New York, which is in the Albany area, the foundation's having our first uh, gala dinner. Uh, there's an Eventbrite link on it. And if you want to meet Andre in person, if you want to meet me in person, there's going to be other exonerees. Uh, as I understand it, Oscar's going to be joining us as well. So uh, if you want to come and see us in person, it's going to be very informal. There'll be a short speaking thing. But the main thing is you're going to get a chance to mix and mingle. So if you want to meet, uh, talk with any of us and plenty of other exonerees, please purchase a ticket and uh, come up there and check us out. The money's going to go towards freeing you know, additional people like Andre. I mean, Oscar and I have like five cases going together. Yeah. Not, you know, so, uh, but there's another 11. There's another 11 that are approved, but we simply don't have the bandwidth or capacity to move. So, you know, we need to certainly raise money and to be able to bring in additional manpower and so we can get moving on these cases. So all the money goes towards freeing people. And let me uh, say this to them, Jeff. Preventing this, none of it goes into my pocket. No how, no way. Matter of fact, okay. it cost me money to do this, but it's where my heart is. Look, let me say this to you guys. Um, we need you guys. The reality is Jeff and Oscar are the angels that are sent, but the workload that they have is tremendous. You know, there's not attorneys like them out there. There's not individuals willing to take pro bono cases. These attorneys want tons of money. I so, wrote hundreds, thousands of letters and all of them were denied and they didn't want to help me. And I showed them the proof that I was innocent. So if you can give anything, please give towards the foundation, help Jeff, help Oscar, as he's general counsel to the foundation to help men like me who are wrongfully convicted. And they're looking for the help of these attorneys. They're looking for men who are willing to hear their cases because there's a saying that I have that justice is blind, but it has the ears to hear the cries of the people. You are the people and we need you crying out we need you crying out to the courts, to anybody that's willing to hear these men because their voices are muted. Amen, brother. Now, look, we're going to get ready to close the bar up here. The Eventbrite link, I'm going to put that in the show notes for this. So, folks, you'll be able to see that in the, in the show notes. Robert, uh, you you heading down to Florida for, for a while, man. Send me it. Send me a plane ticket, brother. We, we'll hang out together. <laughs> I, I'm going to, I would, Jeff sent me a note. I would be going, I'm headed out to Dallas uh, in it for uh, a week, week or so here coming up. So I won't be able to make it, but listen, folks, if you, if you've got the money, you've got the availability, the Patreon is patreon.com backslash Deskovic, D E S K O V I C. Um, th this is those, those things that I tell everyone. Don't turn a blind eye. Don't believe everything that you see. Uh, not, to, not to quote a pain in the ass, but sometimes it is fake news. Uh, 
understand that these things happen. And if you know anything about major cities in the nineties, um, we were all jacked up like football bats. <laughs> Listen to me. And they were trying to find ways to deal with it. So they just locked everybody up and, and they'll figure it out later. Yeah. Uh, especially in New York city where Giuliani magically got the homeless people to disappear. Wonder how yeah. they did that. And where'd they go? Where'd they go? Oh, Pataki. Yeah. He wasn't no better. Um, so listen to me, folks. So make sure you're reaching out. You're supporting these guys, uh, looking them up. They've all got their social media. Oscar, everything is, is his name. It's Oscar mm -hmm. Michelin, M I C H E L E N. You can find Oscar. Jeff's got the Jeff, the Scovic foundation. Uh, he's on social media by Jeffrey and his Jeffrey is R E Y. You can find Jeffrey. Andre is on, uh, Instagram at Andre Brown. Triple seven 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 seven. Give him a follow. Give him a little bit of love. Make sure he knows that he's got supporters out there. If you know somebody that you think would be a great guest for the show, somebody that we we could have on here, please make sure you reach reach out to me. You can find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, uh, TikTok. Everything is the Above the Bar podcast. If you know somebody that look, I got two lawyers. Any of you guys know a First Amendment guy or a constitutional? I would love to talk to somebody about this whole TikTok thing because it makes me laugh recently when I watched this whole thing where they're like, TikTok's misinforming everyone. And I'm going, <laughs> do we watch the regular news? Do you watch the news? I, I would, I'm, with, I'm with you, Sean, in that. Oh, I, I was embarrassed at some of the questions they were asking the, the CEO. It's oh, like, God, it made me laugh. I'm like, I, I watched that, and that's a whole nother show in and of itself. Yes, we could do a whole thing on there. Yeah. A whole show on that because I laugh so much. They're like, TikTok's misinforming people. And I'm like, I watch CBS, which I love, and I can't think of the, the anchor's name right now, who two separate times was brought up on charges for falsifying information that he was bringing in front of the news. So let's not like talk about how mainstream is so much better. We've So if you know, anybody knows a constitutional lawyer that would love to come on here and talk to me about first amendment and how like TikTok thing is just a bunch of a load of BS. I would love to talk to them. Uh, I think that show would put me into the stratosphere because nobody wants to talk about that. And I don't give a shit. Um, so make sure you're reaching out as always. We're on everything. Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. Uh, next week, I got to double check myself, but I think Nate's back with us next week. We're talking. Look, this is so you gentlemen know we go all over the place with this show. Let me double check. Oh, no, it's Jim Fritz next week. We're this is Andre Confessions of an Ethical Drug Dealer is the book mm. that he wrote. He was a big time drug dealer in the 90s and 80s. And this is Confessions of an Ethical Drug Dealer. Next week, it's Jimmy Fritz. I know uh, Nate's coming up as we do on every show. I'm assuming that you gentlemen knew this, but I love putting people on the spot before we end the show. We have one rule around here. The guests and don't log off afterwards. I have to talk to you gentlemen afterwards. The guest always gets the final word. So we're going to go around the same way we started it. We're going to go around Oscar. What's your final word for tonight? Freedom. Jeff. Freedom. Oh, oh, that's two for two. Andre, what's your final word for tonight? Freedom is a must. Alrighty, folks, be sure to push your stool in. This has been an Earplug Podcast presentation. Found on EarplugPodcast.com, iTunes, SoundCloud, and wherever your favorite podcasts are found.